Welcome to the ASA Podcast. Hi, it's Kerry Thoyers here, Editor-in-Chief of Sonography, and today I'm going to talk with Peter Coombs on the topic of audit in ultrasound. Peter's an editorial board member of Sonography, and he's also the sonographer in charge at Monash Health in Melbourne. So over time, there's been a number of articles published in Sonography, some which provide examples of audit and others which explain audit methodologies. So in this podcast, I just wanted to look a little bit further at this topic. So I've invited Peter along to talk with me because at Monash Health, um, clinical audit is very well embedded into their workplace culture. So um, welcome, Peter. Um, I'd really like to focus today on the practicalities of doing clinical audits. But firstly, I was wondering if you could tell me why you regard clinical audits so highly and why you think they're so important. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Kerry. Um, thanks so much for the opportunity to chat about audits and uh, maybe first just congratulations to the ASA and um, Sonography and the editorial team for for this web, um, podcast series. It's it's really exciting and a really good forum to share information amongst sonographers. So so well done. Uh, the, so the space of clinical audit today. So a clinical audit in our workspace is incredibly valuable. It's a... Um, I guess it's a snapshot of how we're performing as a, a workplace. Uh, maybe give you a couple of examples. So, you know, we do lots of obstetrics. So is the cervix being measured and is it being measured appropriately? Or we do a lot of vascular work. So, uh, you know, we use carotid criteria. Are these being applied appropriately? And are they meeting the, our expected benchmarks for performance or should we be changing those? So it's, it's sort of, it might sound a bit sort of dry or a bit negative, um, but what we find is that when the audits start rolling through, the impact's really quite opposite. It's um, the reporting radiologists, for instance, they start to gain real confidence in, in the work and other programs and external pr- referrers they gather a real newfound respect for the work that comes out of the, the, the department. Um, and perhaps most importantly, you know, we see it's the sonographers who themselves, they become sort of prouder and they grow in stretch, stature and sort of become, they feel a pride of being associated with such a well-performing department. So, it, you know, it has, it has numerous benefits. Um, and then, you know, along the way, not only it's the outcome, but along the way, the sonographers then sort of buy into this story and our, our guys just want to buy into providing the best service possible. And then I guess you've got the patients who are the winners as well. So that all sounds really positive. Thank you. Um, in 2022, Moore and Reeve published an article in Sonography about clinical audits. And in there, they referred to three different types of audit. The first one being peer review audit. Um, the second one being outcome audits, and the third one being process audits. So I was wondering if um, you have experience in all of those or are you just focused on one type of audit? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so um, we do all three. And and maybe I'll talk to these each slowly and and just so you sort of understand each. So um, the first is the, the peer review audit, which looks essentially at performance of a sort of an individual or, or a team and you know so again it can be done across a group or specifically at a new at a staff member maybe a new staff member or maybe even um, a staff member who's had performance issues we don't do a lot of this we don't typically target an individual um, we, do, we do have a physician training credentialing programs so this is a program that trains uh, ed doctors icu doctors and and those sonographers our lead sonographers in that program they perform ongoing peer review 
audit in those programs. Um, the outcome audits are the ones that we um, are most actively involved in, they, and they look at the performance of clinical ultrasound related directly to the patient. And you know, there's endless questions that can arise in outcome audits, and maybe that's hopefully a bit more self-evident. Um, the process audit is also fundamental to what we do. So think of processes that are involved in the delivery care. So the quality of referral, maybe the way an urgent examination is, is scheduled, um, the time between uh, the end of an urgent examination and the finalisation of a report. They're little steps that we do regularly, they're little processes. And so you can audit the processes. We recently ran an, an, a process audit on ovarian torsion. It was quite illuminating really to examine the pathway of women as they move through a referral pattern for ovarian torsion. How quickly were they seen? How, quick, yeah, how quickly were they scheduled? How quickly was the report done? How quickly was it read and acted upon? It's, it's, it's quite illuminating in terms of understanding the patient journey. Mm, okay. So um, just perhaps to give us some perspective of what you're doing in your department, can you give listeners an idea of how many audit, audits you would do at Monash Health and, and perhaps you know, how many sonographers are involved in that in your institution? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so we're a, a reasonably sized group. There's 60 active sonographers spread across six sites, 11 departments. So we're reasonably big. And across within that, there are 13 leadership roles. And these leadership roles are about sites and educators. Each of the leads, so there's 13, have their own team or involved with a team. And each of these leads are expected to perform one major audit across a year, supported by their team. So it's sort of 13. And then we have a sonographer fellowship program, and this is um, sonographers who specialise for a year in a particular area. And there's typically half a dozen of those within our service. And the hope is each of these fellows also perform a major audit across the year. We end up with around 20 ma major audit pieces delivered out of the service each year. Mm -hmm. And then sort of running along intertwined with this, so a range of much smaller audits that are done as they are needed. So, so it's reasonably substantive. Albeit reasonably yeah. yeah. So, so it does sound a lot. So, my next question is that this obviously takes some substantial time commitment. So, can you tell me a bit about the time commitment that's required, and and over what period of time um, that that commitment extends? Yeah, no, such a it's such an important question, and you know, I'm just cringing as I'm, I'm replying here. The tyranny of time. Uh, it's just so hard, and like all other ultra, you know, ultrasound services, we struggle to find non-clinical time. You probably I've probably created this illusion of sonographers sitting around for days on end doing these audits and not scanning. But it, I promise, it's it's not like that. Um, and our guys don't get enough time to do this. And I probably need to say say it loudly: the profession doesn't get enough time to do this. And so, we as a profession, we must change this and align ourselves with other health disciplines and, and just find more clinical time to provide quality activity. Anyway, so so what do we do? How do, how do we cope with this question of time? So um, we keep the design and the scope of all the audits achievable. We don't do massive, massive audits. Um, we get many hands involved in data collection, so they're done within teams. Um, we use the natural breaks in our clinical life. So, you know, collect some data before lunch, collect data when a patient doesn't turn up. So it's sort of, um, it's done in, a, in sometimes in quite an ad hoc way. Um, and But we do then apportion small amounts of time when we need to get these audits sort of completed, written up and presented in a form that is um, both deliverable to our team and also deliverable um, to the, you know, the operation beyond our team. 
Mm, okay, so you're saying that you use um, natural breaks, but then it sounds like you do quarantine some time as well. So can you tell me, you know, give me some idea of how much that would be or yeah, again, how yeah, you but, go about that? Yeah. yeah, so some time but not enough and it's done on a as-needed basis rather than a, a scheduled basis. The ideal would be, you know, in the perfect world, the leader should be getting scheduled time every week to be um, supporting and managing quality quality activities. And I think that's that should be our our ambition should be that leaders of our service should be always getting non-clinical time to be doing audits. Um, but as I said, we do it in a really as an ad needed way rather than scheduled time. And it seemed to have got harder uh, and it's got harder with COVID. It's been really mm-hmm. challenging. So short staff, sick, staff sickness, we're getting spikes of activity. There just hasn't been this time. And so me as the, so I guess the service leaders to sort of moderate my expectations, but say out loud, audits, you know, they're the fabric of what we do. And we all understand within our group that it, that we can't allow them to lapse. They must continue to be a priority no matter how we find our time or manage our time. Because mm, I guess they're an important quality improvement activity. Um, for each audit, do you follow the same process or do you have a variable process? Can you tell me a bit about how you manage that? Yeah, yeah. So the, the process is essentially, essentially yes, it's the, it's the same each time. We have a template and the template has uh, around 10 steps within it and we use that to write up a an audit plan. So each audit has its own plan um, and just a couple of elements out of that um, sort of the plan. There's always objectives and the objectives always must be clearly articulated before the plan is written up and typically they're shared amongst a few people. And then, um, you know, another key component of the plan is the methodology. And that's always described in considerable detail. And, and the reason for that is it provides reproducibility if the, if the audit needs to be repeated yeah, maybe annually at another sort of another time interval. So imagine someone does an audit this year and we want it repeated exactly the same to see whether there's any improvement, then the methodology has been clearly articulated so it can be followed. So yes, it's the same process um, and it's provided from a template. Mm, okay, that's great. Um, obviously, lots of things that you can audit. How do you choose or prioritise the topics that you're going to audit and who makes these decisions? Yes, yeah, so typically... Typically, it's one of the leaders, so not not always off my desk. So one of the one of the leaders will sort of spot a quality issue, or maybe a radiologist will come out of the office and say, ah, "Peter, this isn't quite right." And so, and then we would rather than saying to the person, "Why didn't you do that?" We would target as an order to see whether the problem is systemic amongst the group. Um, uh, maybe an example might help. So, um, yeah, well, probably six months ago. Um, one of the radiologists popped his head out and said, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced we're seeing enough hepatic veins in a, in a hep B, hep C screening examination. And, um, you know, various snapshot audit of just, you know, 20 or 50 cases will very quickly answer that question. And so that's a small example of an audit that just sort of emerges organically from within our group. Mm, and answers the question, I guess. Yeah, very quickly. Was, and, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask a question now about audit cycles. So audit is a circular process. How many cycles would you usually do on one topic? Yeah, so so it's, it's really um, topic dependent. So um, there's, a, there's some audits that we would do annually. Um, so uh, maybe the, the time it takes to do a scan in neonatal intensive care, um, so our cervical length assessment is 
typically looked at annually. Um, actually, um, this Friday, Alona Lavender, one of our team is presenting an annual audit on our second trimester work. And she was telling me um, through the week that she, she's looked at 400 patients. And, uh, you know, I, and I mentioned Alona's work because she's incredibly um, productive in this space. Um, but, you know, so we do a second trimester and that will involve um, patient recall. How many, what percentage of patients get recalled for follow-up um, visualisation of the corpus callosum? There's a range of questions that come up in that. So, so I've gone off, off, off track a little bit, but uh, it, it, some audits are just one off and then there's a range of audits that we do that we just recognise that quality needs to be managed in an ongoing way and so they, they would occur either annually or every second year at a, at a minimum. Okay. So um, not everyone has skills in um, audits. So how do you support your staff in developing those skills? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really important question, and as our our staff evolves, we we also find ourselves needing to go back to these basics. Um, so we have online so templates for auditing and reporting, um, and and we as I said we have these sort of a, a written written guide as to how to audit. Um, so there's some I guess some basic tools. Um, but more than that, it's probably the fabric of what we do. So new trainees and right through to their second part of their training and then into new qualifieds, they're all expected to participate and support audits. And so they gain learning from the moment they begin in our, their lives. So it's it's very much happens at a grassroots level. Um, this learning sort of mentored by our senior staff, our leaders, um, and, and not only our leadership team, but the senior sonographers who have been in the service, you know, a decade, they're, they're very familiar with the process and they're very good at supporting the younger staff on this. Um, and, and these younger staff then evolved into the, the mentors. And so it's just, again, it, over time, it's evolved into part of the cycle of our life. Mm. Okay. Um, so, Peter, thanks for providing all that insight on how you implement audits. Um, it, in my opinion, they're really important, uh, especially as a quality improvement activity. And I'd like to encourage sonographers, especially seniors or leading sonographers, to, to look at doing them in their own workplace. Um, I guess they don't have to be large projects, as Peter said. It's probably a good idea to start small um, and, and grow and expand once expertise develops. Um, just before we close off, Peter, do you have any other tips for sonographers that might be contemplating um, performing audits? I think whatever you do, make sure it's achievable. And I touched on that with the hepatic vein example, didn't I? So, mm. so, so choose an area where there's plenty of examinations. So you don't want to be sort of searching for just a few examinations. Um, start with a, a very narrow question, something which which is quite you know almost binary. Um, and yeah, and and start small as you just said, Kerry. Just just so it can be achieved reasonably efficiently. Um, maybe 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 an example might be the best way to do this. And I sort of did this a little bit, but um, so yeah, we see a large number of um, Hep B, Hep C patients, and I used this example earlier on with the, the visualization of the hepatic veins. Uh, and and another example would be liver size. So. Um, hepatic size has been really topical because of Jesse Child's excellent work in this area. And so therein is a simple audit question. So the audit question might be around um, the efficacy of your department in reviewing liver size. And so 
what's the first part of the audit? A reflection on your own policies and procedures around hepatic size evaluation in, in your workplace and then identify the standard, what is expected today in terms of measurement of the liver. And then, and then do an audit, and maybe it's small, maybe it's just 20 cases if you're a small department, and, and that, that will take virtually no time. And then keep your questions reasonably simple. Are your sonographers valuing the liver size? Yes or no. Are the caliper placements appropriate? Yes, no. Um, and, and then feed your learning back to the team. Ah, I, ra- I ran an audit on our liver size. We found that you know 15 out of 20 livers were measured, so only 75%. And, and of those that were measured, only 10 were sort of concordant with our current standard. And, and then maybe in that process, you, you might decide to adopt maybe liver volume instead of liver length. And there may be a conversation around where is, oh, is that where the calipers are meant to go? And so that whole process of sort of learning and quality improvement and then change, you'll find that you, you're your sonographer colleagues will become incredibly engaged and they'll really value the feedback and they'll, they'll begin the journey of quality improvement with you. It's, um, it, it's actually a really exciting part of our life. And if I think of our Friday education program, which is run annually, generally uh, the reporting of an audit is one of the most exciting and in- interesting times in any education in any educational process. So I really just commend everyone to just take you know tiny small steps in this area if you're not doing this at the moment. It's a good yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's great. So you've got a lot of positive things to say. So hopefully that's encouragement to others to engage in it as well. So Peter, I'd like to. Um, Thank you very, very much. Um, I hope that listeners have um, gained some knowledge from what you've provided today. So thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us. And um, yes, I appreciate um, talking to you today. Thank you. Uh, It's been really enjoyable, Kerry. It's been lovely to reflect on our our audit life. Thanks. so, So thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ASA podcast. Head to the show notes or the ASA website to find more information, resources and CBD activities.